Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make shirts, suits, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. R.J. Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings R.J. helped pick out and design. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your, pre- choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse to wear clothing that doesn't fit. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You might know him as Showtime on the Twitter sphere. 
You can find him on Twitter at Showtime Cappers for all of his gambling picks. It is a busy weekend in football. It's the first weekend in December, which means there is a ton on the line in college football as the playoff will be decided this weekend. We'll know on Sunday morning who the four teams are in the college football playoff. Uh, and obviously, it will all be finalized with championship Saturday taking place tomorrow. And of course, we have National Football League Week 14 continuing on Sunday and into Monday uh, as it got started last night in the Windy City with the Chicago Bears and the Dallas Cowboys. And it'll, it'll continue as we got everybody in action now. Go by weeks. They are over. Actually, they ended last week. Uh, but, Matt, it is... Uh, <clears throat> A busy weekend of football, and of course, we got to run through our picks. Good to have you on again. How are we doing? Greg, I'm doing great. Championship again is upon us. One of my favorite college football weekends of the year. I actually honestly prefer the championship games to the bowl games. That's just me personally. Like you said, all NFL teams in action. No more bye weeks. Week 14, and what a slate do we have. I see one, two, Three, four, I see about six games with true huge playoff implications, and I really just can't wait. The division races are heating up. The wild card is heating up. We have a great weekend of football in store, and I can't wait to break it down. And that's what we're going to do. I know sometimes we would, and, and on our weekday pod, we love to uh, sprinkle in a lot of plays on the NHL and college basketball and the National Basketball Association, but we're going to be all football today. As we're recording on a Thursday in the late afternoon, uh, but you're listening on a Friday, and we're going to run through the conference championship games. There's 10 of them in college football, so we will give you uh, some leans and some official picks along the way, uh, and that'll be the first half of our pod. And then in the second half of the pod, we will get to the National Football League Week 14 card. Matt, let's get started, though. Uh, in San Francisco, where that is the location, Levi Stadium is for the Pac-12 championship game. It is the Oregon Ducks against the Utah Utes. Utah is six-point chalk, total of 45.5 in this one. And I'll just start by saying I love the under here, and actually it's, it's one, of the, one of my favorite plays. It'll be a max play for me uh, for championship sun championship weekend one of my favorite plays of the weekend uh weather conditions are not supposed to be pretty in the bay area and i think you're going to see a utah team at least start pretty tight uh and i I agree with the line for the most part like utah is the better team and deserves to be favored but i think they're going to be a little tight early on because everybody knows the scenario utah needs to win this game or the pac-12 is screwed they're not getting a two-loss champion in the college football playoff. So I think, you know, you think about a Utah program, I mean, not just for the players that are playing in this game, but I can't think of a bigger game in recent memory for Utah football than this one. So I think that lends itself towards the Utes being a little tight early on. Uh, both these teams, this is not your normal Big 12, okay? Or I'm sorry, Pac-12, where you would assume, you know, video game numbers, run up and down the field, track meet type games, first to 50. No, no, no. The total here is 45 and a half. And like I said, I'm, I love the under. Mentioned the weather. I mentioned Utah, thinking that I think there's going to be some early nerves for the Utes. And I think this is going to be a, a little bit of an ugly game. But 
I like the under 45 and a half in this one. Yeah, slightly correlated with my play here, Greg. Uh, it's Utah Utes all day here. They will roll. They will cover the six and a half. They will win by a touchdown or more. Greg, Oregon comes in here struggling as of late. Uh, I mean, I know they beat Oregon State to finish their season, but as 20 was three touchdown favorites, you know, they only won 24 to 10. They didn't put up that many points. That was a week after they lost at Arizona State. You know, so past two games haven't been great. They've looked vulnerable. A close win at home to Washington State. A close win on the road at Washington. Like I said, they've looked vulnerable. And Utah's come in here covering eight straight games. Give me the Utah Utes. They will roll by a touchdown or more in this game. Let's move on. We're going to run through every conference championship game. Uh, First one in the rotation on Saturday afternoon. uh, 12 noon Eastern kickoff in Detroit. Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks, taking on the Central Michigan Chippewas. Fire up chips as Antonio Brown's alma mater is a six-and-a-half-point favorite, total 54-and-a-half. Um, Matt, I'll let you start. Uh, side total, anywhere you lean here. Yeah, uh, I, think this is, I think this is an overplay for me. I, I just see, you know, I see a very competitive back-and-forth game. I see they're, they're giving each other all out in a competitive game with, uh, you know, one of the ones that gets away from the defenses ends up being an offensive battle almost, you know, with whoever gets the ball last with a chance to win uh, kind of situation. Yeah, I would have a lean towards Central Michigan minus the points. Uh, not a lot of buy signs on Miami of Ohio. The last two data points you have on them, they barely survived against the worst team in the F- in the FBS in Akron, a winless Akron team. They won by three, and then they lost by 14 to Ball State. So Miami of Ohio not coming in, playing well. I would lean with Central Michigan minus the six and a half. Let's keep things moving. Sunbelt Conference Championship, the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. I love to say that one. Taking on uh, Appalachian State Mountaineers and uh, you see App State right now installed as a five and a half point favorite at most shops, total of 55 and a half. Uh, Matt, if I had to play this game, I would like the dog catching the five and a half with Louisiana and Lafayette. What do you think? Yeah, look, I mean, this game took place earlier this year. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette was home. They lost that game by 10, 17, 7. App State got the win as a two and a half point dogs. The total was 70 there, Greg, and it went well under. So with a total of 56 here, obviously you see two touchdowns lower and you see adjusted with App State minus six. But I don't really know how much has changed exactly since then. I don't know if App State is now nine points better since that game. Obviously different because ULL is not home. But I like the dog in the under in this one, Greg. And, you know, I think it can can will be another low-scoring game. But I think it's hard to beat someone twice in a season. And this UL team is coming in looking for revenge. To keep things moving, let's go to AT&T Stadium. That's right, deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, the Dallas, uh, well, the home of the Dallas Cowboys is where this game's being played. The Baylor Bears and maybe the future coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Lincoln Riley. I'm sure we're going to hear that name quite a bit if Jason Garrett is let go by Jerry Jones come season's end. But nonetheless, Lincoln Riley's current team, the Oklahoma Sooners, are a nine-point favorite on this neutral field against the Baylor Bears. Uh, total of 64.5 in this one. And Matt, when I look at this game, uh, the only side I can look to early in the week, I thought, oh, wow, like that game was really close. And uh, when they played in Waco uh, just three weeks ago, and now it's nine. But the more I dig into it, you remember C.D. Lamb 
the explosive receiver for Oklahoma, did not play in that game at Waco. And Oklahoma really dominated the second half of that game in Waco. Granted, Baylor did run away with the first half a good deal. Uh, but if I had to play this game, I would lay the nine with Oklahoma because regardless, especially if Utah wins on Friday night, then Oklahoma is going to need margin, and they're going to have to make a statement if Oklahoma is to jump Utah, um, and we'll get into the SEC game in a little bit. But if the spot comes down to Utah or Oklahoma uh, for number four and Utah wins, then Oklahoma needs big margin here. So if I had to play the game, not an official play, uh, but I would lay the nine with Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm gonna go opposite here, Greg. I, I like I would lead, I like Baylor plus nine. This is actually an official pick. And Utah, okay. by the way, Utah minus six and a half was an official pick for me. Baylor plus nine, official pick. Baylor coming in, winning four of their last five. Obviously, dropped the one game against Oklahoma. Nonetheless, four and zero oh against the spread in the last four. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Oklahoma has not been that great against the spread with these high yeah. spreads, Greg. They've been playing close games, you know. Right. They won 48-41. They won by seven. They won a game by one. They then beat Baylor by three. They beat TCU by four. So that's four straight games where they did not cover. Uh, this is another revenge game with Baylor dropping it earlier. Baylor's had a great season. So has Oklahoma. To put an explanation mark on the season, I think we get another hard-fought competitive rivalry game here. Oklahoma wins, but by nine or less, that's for sure. So your official plays so far, Baylor plus nine and Utah minus six and a half. Yeah, Utah minus six and a half for two unit play. Baylor plus nine uh, for one unit play, and 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 the plays on ULL and the over in Miami, Ohio, are just just leans that I had for that those games. No official and, plays. And I'll as well just say right now my only official play is a max play on under forty five and a half in Oregon and Utah. Let's keep things moving. Conference USA championship game: the uh, UAB Blazers taking on Florida Atlantic and. Uh, Florida Atlantic is an eight-point favorite in this game. Total 49-and-a-half. Uh, if I had to play this game, I would look to the uh, UAB side, but I'm not playing it uh, simply because something I like to think about this time of year, conference championships and ball games, uh, coaching carousel starts spinning in college football, and we've already heard Lane Kiffin linked with the Arkansas opening, and he's going to be a hot name on the market. So how much is he focused on this conference championship game? How much are his players able to focus knowing that their coach might be on the way out and jumping to greener pastures? Uh, so it would just be a pure fate of Florida Atlantic, but just a lean on UAB. It's ironic, Greg. I have just a lean here, but I, and I use the exact same reasoning just for the other side. I take FAU here minus the seven and a half or eight I'm seeing. And exactly what you said, this could be, Lane Kiffin's last game for FAU, and, you know, what does he want to show his potential future employers? You know, he doesn't want to go out not caring about sure. it. They want to run it up. They want to look great. He wants to put a statement on this season and end the season 10-3, uh, and three, get a bowl game, play in the bowl game, win the bowl game, you know, and then go off on a good note. He's focusing on this game. He's a professional coach. He knows what it takes to get to the next level, and he's worrying one step at a time. Keep things moving. So I'm sorry. Is that a uh, that's just a lean or a one unit play just, for you? Just just a lean on FAU for me. Okay, and just a lean on UAB for me. Uh, I'm gonna actually give out a one unit play now in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Uh, it is at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, but I like the Road Dog, the Cincinnati Bearcats, catching nine and a half against Memphis. Another coach that could be on his way to a bigger job, Mike Norvell. At 
Memphis is something I always kind of look to bet against in bowl season and conference championships, as I mentioned. Then also, these two teams played on this very field last week in the final game of the regular season, and Memphis won by 10, and Cincinnati had nothing to play for in that game, uh, as Cincinnati uh, had already locked up the American East, and Memphis needed the win to take care of the West. Now, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, did not play last week for Cincinnati, uh, and the other quarterback, Ben Bryant, stepped in, and he threw two interceptions. So even despite that, this game was right on the number. I actually lost on this. I had Memphis minus 11. So if Cincinnati can just protect the ball, Michael Warren, the uh, tailback for Cincinnati, had a big day on the ground last week, 5.8 yards per carry on 21 attempts for 122 yards. I think Cincinnati can cover this number. I'm not sure if they're going to win outright, but if they can lose by 10 with no motivation and without their starting quarterback, I know that Desmond Ritter is not that good anyway, then I certainly think they can lose by less than 10 with a conference title on the line. So I like the Bearcats plus the points. Yeah, Greg, I'm going to have to second this pick. I got Cincinnati plus nine and a half for one unit. Uh, You know, I don't think they showed everything they had last week. Obviously, new quarterback playing or different quarterback playing last week and this week, you know, so definitely a different team. They lost by 10. Nine and a half here, you know, slight revenge spot as well. Obviously, just losing last week. They know this team well. Give me the points because, again, it's gonna. They know these teams know each other too well. This will be a back and forth game the whole way. Four more conference championship games to get to. Three of them power five games. Let's get to the one group of five conference championship that we have not discussed already, and that's the Mountain West Conference Championship, the Boise State Broncos. 13.5-point chalk against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Total of 64.5 in this one. Uh, I would lean to the Hawaii, I'm sorry, to the Boise State side here. It's a steep number, one that I probably don't want to lay in a conference championship game. Uh, but simply put, these two teams played earlier in the year, and Hawaii, I'm sorry, Boise State won the game going away by three touchdowns. So they're right back at the same scene of the crime in Boise and that score was 59-37 so I would also uh, lean to the over Boise State has been an offensive machine most of the year in the Mountain West uh, save for a game against Wyoming that was really close about a month ago all that said also Boise State another added motivation potentially here Uh, they're gonna this game's gonna be going on at the same time as the American Athletic Conference Championship and it's either going to be Boise State or Memphis most likely in the New Year's Six representing the group of five because the group of five gets that one spot uh, in the New Year's Six with the, all the power schools. So I think Boise State not only would like to win this game, but if it could get ample margin, maybe could go ahead of Memphis. So uh, I would lean with Boise State minus the 13 and a half. Yeah, I'm seeing 14 on Hawaii, and I'm taking that for sure. You touch on a little – even though you said you might not want to and you will, but um, this is actually a two-unit play for me as well. This is way too many points in a, in a conference championship game. Hawaii, like you said, at the same field, lost by three touchdowns. Now here we come, and it's a two-touchdown spread. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a closer game. Again, another revenge spot. I, I, you see my you see my pattern here. You know, Hawaii already dropped this game to Boise. They're coming right back. And two touchdowns is too many. Boise wins this game for sure, but not by not by more than two touchdowns. On we roll. Three more conference championship games to get to as we continue our championship Saturday preview here on Full Slate. Uh, let's go to the SEC. Down in Hotlanta, the Georgia Bulldogs are a touchdown dog 
against the LSU Tigers. Total of 55 in this one. And Matt, I actually would lean with Georgia catching the points here. I know that LSU uh, is going to make the playoff win or lose here. And yes, LSU might need the margin if it wants to jump Ohio State, which is important because Clemson has started to play really well. I think there's a lot on the line for LSU and Ohio State this week as far as avoiding Clemson. All of that said, I mean, how can I pass up a win and in spot for Georgia and I get seven points with Georgia. So I'm not sure Georgia's going to win the game and it's not an official play because I have too much respect for Joe Burrow and that LSU offense. So I would lean with Georgia um, because I just think that there's going to be a little more desperation on the Bulldogs side. Can't get there though, in terms of making this an official play, because if Joe Burrow and uh, the rest of that LSU offense can make this a higher scoring game, that Georgia offense, I don't think, can hang with the Tigers in a shootout. So I'll lean with Georgia plus a seven. I am uh, I'm on LSU here, two-unit play, an official play. Uh, I actually don't even think Georgia should be anywhere near the college football playoffs. I truly think that Georgia is overrated. Uh, they've struggled. I've seen them struggle in multiple games. I mean, their game against Texas A&M, their game against Auburn. Granted, they won the game Auburn, but they almost blew it. The game against Florida, they didn't even win handily. You know, obviously losing at home to South Carolina is just abysmal. You know, I haven't seen one game like that out of LSU. I just haven't seen them stumble whatsoever. And in the big moment, I will rather have Joe Burrows quarterbacking my team than Jake Fromm. I really, I've seen Jake Fromm be very shaky. I've seen Joe Burrows put together... Uh, Heisman campaign all season long. I don't see what changes here. You know, uh, he continues his Heisman campaign. They win this game. LSU knocks out Georgia from the college football playoffs. And on that note, I do think Oklahoma, if they are able to beat Baylor and look good against Baylor, I do believe that they would be the next team in over the Utah Utes. Wow. You know, um, I I really do. Uh, The only way I see Utah getting in over Oklahoma is is if Oklahoma wins a really, really tight game like they played against Baylor last time and Utah absolutely rolls. Which... Well, I, well, but Matt, like you, I, I guess you got to jump in. Like you said you like Utah minus the points and Baylor plus. So then wouldn't that align itself with Utah getting in? No, because I don't think Utah is going to blow them out. I'm talking about three touchdowns, you know, then they get in. I think Utah is going to win by I, – I seriously think, you know, Utah is going to win anywhere from 7 to 10 margin. So I, I like the minus 6.5 there. I don't think they're going to blow out Oregon. Oregon's a good football team. And I really don't think they get blown out. And I like Baylor, but I wouldn't be surprised if I was wrong about that and Oklahoma did blow them out because of how lethal their offense is. With that being said, I still like the nine points – in a close competitive game like that. But if Oklahoma, you know, and I'm wrong and I'm wrong about it, then I I think that Oklahoma can get in. I just think that, that they have the firepower. And I think subconsciously, uh, you know, in in this committee's mind, and even in our own mind, you know, the, the big, the big, uh, the big 12 and the PAC 12 are are just different. Yeah. But I, I disagree that Utah needs significant margin. I think Utah could win the game by one point. And if Georgia loses, then Utah's in. Because if, this, if, if, you, if Utah was the school that needed margin this weekend, Utah would be behind Oklahoma. Like, Oklahoma has looked far too Craig, I just don't know how Utah sounds in the college football playoffs. I really don't. Well, uh, you know, well, you, you, you can get used to it because otherwise Oklahoma would be closer to the playoff than they are right now, not needing to blow out Baylor because 
Oklahoma has been the team that has been spotty. They almost lost at home to Iowa State. They didn't look great against TCU. They lost to Kansas State. I just don't know how well Utah would do for the TV ratings, Greg. You know, some of that stuff plays a little politics, plays a little factor. I can't see some TV ratings being enough to get Oklahoma in. I just can't. Yeah, I don't know. You put Jalen Hurts out there. Yeah, Can you name one guy on Utah? I can't. Yeah, hey, the running back, Zach Moss, he's a stud. Uh, and he's going to household name. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, so you like LSU? I, I, they're both uh, Utah or Oklahoma. Take your pick. I, I think they'd both be deserving. I don't. I, I don't think we'd be talking about one being snubbed or I mean, or one I, of the other. I also think regardless of the is the that team's going to get its ass kicked. You agree? Uh, yeah. 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 No doubt. You know. I mean, this seems like a three horse race for the national championship. Uh, so. I think we can all agree that it's a shame that, you know, somehow Alabama can't get a slight pass and be in the college football playoffs, you know, if Tua was healthy. With Tua, it's a clearly different team. Sure. Well, that, that, I, that I'll buy, but... I was uh, saying with a contingency, hey, look, Alabama, you can play in the college football playoffs only if Tua is healthy enough to play. Like, that's their contingency. If not, then Oklahoma, obviously, that would never happen. This is... A ridiculous hypothetical, but sure. you see what I'm saying. Uh, Alabama with Tua is clearly right. a top four team in the country, and everyone knows that. Let's go back to the SEC, though. So you like uh, is that an official play on LSU minus the touchdown? Yeah, uh, two unit official play. Okay, uh, I'm going to give out two official plays in the Big Ten game. I like the side and the total. I just think the line's too high. I'm taking Wisconsin plus fifteen and a half against Ohio State at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. And I have bet the total at 56 and a half. I'm seeing maybe some 57s out there. Um, I would still take it at 57. Uh, Wisconsin's playing well. And you're saying take the over? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'm taking uh, the over. Yes. Over 56 and a half and Wisconsin plus 15 and a half are my plays here. I, I see 16 and a half. You see 16 and a half. Okay. Well, yeah. even better. Uh, then shame on me for taking a bad number. But nonetheless, I was seeing 15 and a half, and I jumped on it. I'm not sure it'll be, it'll matter as much because I do think Wisconsin can keep this within two touchdowns. They come in playing pretty well, and it's a different football team than when they got their rear ends kicked in Columbus, which, by the way, was at one point only a field goal game. So I think Wisconsin comes in with some good momentum here, just beat up on their rival Minnesota on the road, 38-17, to 17, to get to this game. They're back up to number eight in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, so uh, something tells me that if Wisconsin is to keep this competitive, they're going to have to take some chances. They're going to have to get the ball downfield a little bit more. This isn't just going to be all Jonathan Taylor. Therefore, I also like the over. I think Jack Cohn is going to have to hit on some big plays with his receivers, and they're going to at some point have to hit on a big play here or there to keep up with Justin Fields and company. So I like Wisconsin and the over. I think it's correlated. I'm playing them both for one unit. I think Wisconsin can keep it close against Ohio State, at least closer than the line indicates. So I think the Badgers get the cover here. Um, Greg, if Ohio State loses, do they still make the playoffs? Yes. Yeah, I think absolutely. Absolutely. So no matter – even even if even if they're blown out by three touchdowns. If if they're blown out by three touchdowns then I think yeah it's not it's far more unclear. I'm serious. If they lose by three touchdowns, they lose by three touchdowns, do they make the college football playoffs? They lose by three touchdowns. You know what? I still think they'll make it. I think they've done enough. Okay. Fair enough. 
Uh, yeah, I'm almost constant with the points here. 17 points here. Um, too many points in a, you know, I keep, I'm like a broken record. Too many points here in a championship game. These, these two teams seen each other before. Wisconsin does have the ability to run the ball and control the time possession here. You know, ultimately, Ohio State is the better team offensively, defensively, special teams, better water boys, the whole nine yards. They have everything better. But Wisconsin can definitely keep this under 17 and, and and keep this keep this game close for the majority, but ultimately Ohio State will win this game. That's for that's for sure. You well, you say Ohio, I just want to ask you the same question you asked me. Then I mean, you I think we're in agreement. Uh, Ohio State wins. Wisconsin covers. But um, what it, it, same question? Three touchdown. Like Wisconsin shocks the world uh, and wins and blows out Ohio State. Ohio State still gets in. Uh, yeah, because Ohio State is a better team than than Utah, and effectively Ohio State and Utah will both have one loss. So. Uh, you know, Ohio State's better than Utah, and they both have one loss. Ohio State plays in a better conference, and oh yeah, Ohio State's one loss was to the eighth team in the country in the con- in the, in so, the championship game. But so that's a good loss. Ohio State and Utah, so then yeah. obviously LSU and Clemson would be in, and you're putting Wisconsin in then at that point. Uh no, not, no, 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 no. I'm not putting Wisconsin in. Then I then I would be putting in um in uh, Utah, Utah oh, or you, Oklahoma. So have Utah in. Utah or Oklahoma's in if Georgia loses for sure. Okay, gotcha. I just you completely yeah, yeah, yeah. Ohio State and Utah, and it I, led me to think that you were debating them for one spot. No, well, the same thing. You know, Ohio State's a better one-loss team than Oklahoma, so Utah and Oklahoma would both knock it in. One of them, and then Ohio State would be the other two, along with LSU and Clemson, if Ohio State were to lose. Right, because Understood. Ohio State's a better one-loss team than Oklahoma and Utah. No Agreed. doubt. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreement. There. And their one loss would be better than both of Utah's and Oklahoma's one loss. It would be to the eighth team in the country, you know, on a neutral site in, in the championship game. Right. Right. Understood. Yeah. Let's wrap things up with our um, uh, fall championship Saturday. I'm sorry. One more, one more Clemson. Yes. Right. That's where I'm going. Uh, oh, cool. Cool. ACC championship game also going on at night. The Virginia Cavaliers, a Four touchdown underdog against Clemson. The Tigers have really now for the better part of two months, ever since that Carolina close call, Clemson has started to look better and better. We have a total of 56 in this game. I got no idea here. If if there was one game that I just wouldn't touch, it would be this one just because the number is ridiculous. And But Clemson, the way that it is playing, could certainly cover the four touchdowns. And then, you know, the same thing on the total. Like, if you're talking about garbage time being a factor, I never quite know who's going to be in the game. Is it going to be walk-ons? Is it going to be do guys guys that want to score in the fourth quarter? So this is a stay away for me. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I I like Clemson here. I think Clemson runs it up, runs it the, the way up, like way, way up. I think they – understand well one i think they have a slight advantage not that they ever go in to win or lose a slight advantage that they will know the outcome of of georgia and lsu game beforehand they'll know the outcome of utah but at the end of the day how does clemson jump up into the standings you know to to one or two uh there's two ways one obviously one of them loses which i think we can agree that that is not likely so how else with if those play a close game and Clemson uh, absolutely obliterates UVA. I'm not saying that guarantees them to jump up, but that is definitely for sure the only way they can jump up. So I do believe Clemson run it up. Not only you know do I think that they run it up, Clemson has been running it up. 
you know, right. last they they won thirty eight to three the week before that fifty two to three week before that fifty five to ten week before that fifty nine to fourteen week before that fifty nine to seven forty five to ten you, you get the gist here they've covered the past you know six out of seven games ever since losing to the UNC uh, that UNC uh, excuse me not losing to UNC that oh near loss at UNC where they won by one point since then they really turned up and they've covered six out of seven games. The one game they did not cover was a 49 point spread where they won 59 to 14. So, I mean, they've, they've really been scoring at a high rate. They've been showing off their offense, you know, and this is, this is what they want to do. This is what they're going to do. Matt, lastly, as we wrap up our college football discussion, if Clemson happens to lose here, as dominant as you just said that they've been, are they out? If Clemson loses here, yeah, they're out for sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. If they lose, they're out. Not only, I mean, it would be an embarrassing loss. First off, they're minus twenty nine points, so they're effectively the biggest favorite of the weekend. I believe are they not? Uh, it's close. So it's not even close, and they did win that game in UNC. But don't tell me that that's not a pretty win. That's factored, it's factored yeah. in slightly. You right. lose this game, and Clemson now turns. Now again. This is assuming that if Utah, like, like, look, if Oregon wins that game, Oregon's not going to get in over Clemson. If Oregon and Baylor were to get were to were to win, I, I don't even know if Baylor gets in over Clemson. But if Oklahoma or Utah win and take care of business, then yes, they get in over Clemson. I don't, I don't know if Baylor would jump Clemson. I don't believe so. How about you? Uh, would Baylor jump Clemson if Baylor beat Oklahoma and Clemson lost? I think Baylor might. That's. That that's you know I just want to see some chaos right like I would love yeah I want to see one of these scenarios and see how it plays out right you know like give me Georgia well I guess Georgia winning is the easiest like under is like the less chaotic underdog scenario because then Georgia's just in but like it it would I would love to see what happens if Ohio State or Clemson loses but I don't think we're gonna see that yeah I don't I don't. I don't think there's any way. If anything, I think the most likely is that Georgia somehow pulls off the upset, punches its ticket, and then the committee has a decision to make if LSU falls out of the playoffs, which I don't think they would. But I don't think they it would. Definitely, right. it definitely could be, could would be talked about. You know, I don't think they would either. They have quality wins, and they would have lost to a great Georgia team in the you championship. I'm there though, Matt, because Georgia comes in at number four. So if Georgia is to win then Georgia's going to go ahead of LSU. So then we might be looking at LSU versus Ohio State in the semifinals. Uh, yeah, assuming everything else stays put. I, I, Georgia damn near could jump all the way to number two and jump Clemson as well if they beat this LSU team. Right. I, don't see why, I don't see why they wouldn't. You know, I don't. Uh, you can't jump a number one team unless the number one team messes up. So effectively, if Ohio State takes care of Virginia State, they would. But if Clemson won a close game and Georgia won outright, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Georgia at two. But, I mean... It doesn't matter two or three. They're playing each other anyway. So. They're playing each other, right. Yeah, it's just it, like – I feel like my the point I'm making there is it felt like all year that LSU and Ohio State were the best two teams. And if and we're sitting here now with a very plausible scenario where they're playing in the semifinals instead of the national championship. That's definitely – Because the only – the reason for that to happen, all that needs to happen, Georgia wins – and then Ohio State and Clemson win. And then you probably have one Ohio State. And then in some order, Georgia and Clemson, two, three, probably Clemson, two. And then LSU would fall to four and would be playing Ohio State. It would just feel a little uh, weird. I mean, you could still so argue that LSU stays above Georgia because at, uh, at the end of the day, effectively, they would still have the same record, even though Georgia would have been LSU. But again, 
LSU could still stay above Georgia because they do have the same record. And LSU's one loss came to Georgia on a neutral site as opposed to Georgia's one loss. Good point. South Carolina. Now, I know it sounds weird probably for everyone out there listening or anyone to think about how can they be ranked higher when they lost that team, but it, it, it actually does make sense because you can say, well, LSU's one loss you know, is an amazing loss, while Georgia's one loss is an awful loss. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either way if, if LSU or Georgia, you know, if one was above the other. And hey, maybe just to avoid that LSU and Ohio State semifinals, maybe we'd see. Maybe that's where we see some TV ratings uh, sure. play into the factor. But okay. nonetheless, interesting weekend, and it's damn near wide open. Every team needs to take care of business. I think we just agreed, except you know, their Ohio State um, uh, could potentially lose and and still get in. But and LSU, but you know Clemson lose and, and they could be out. Georgia lose and they're most certainly out. And then Oklahoma and Utah, you know their fate is resting on the shoulders of others. Okay, so let's wrap things up. Official plays for college football championship weekend for me. I got a max on Oregon Utah under forty five and a half, and then I have one unit plays on Cincinnati plus nine and a half, Wisconsin plus fifteen and a half, and Wisconsin Ohio State over fifty seven. Yeah, my, just ch- just check into my Twitter at Showtime Cappers uh, on Twitter. You know, toss toss a, a little heart, a little favor, and retweet when you go check out the college football. It's all posted already. It was actually posted on Tuesday with better numbers as well. All righty, let's take a break. Come back, and we'll get into the National Football League on the other side. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time consuming, expensive, and there are so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You will ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Full Slate listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave? Well, it hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I've had nothing but good experiences with Harry's, and I hope you will join aboard and do the same. Harry's is a return to the essential, a quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. 
They've cut out the middleman, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door and on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of Full Slate can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with low to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. And we're back on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Just went through all the games in college football championship Saturday. Let's move on to Sunday now. National Football League Week 14. Matt, let's jump right into it. Let's start with the early window. 1 o'clock Eastern kickoffs. Uh, what do you have for a play? Uh, where are you looking in, in the early window? Yeah, Greg, I have a guaranteed winner in the early window. And I know we throw those words out carefully but let me tell you greg i have a great play and i absolutely love it new orleans saints on the money line in the mercedes-benz superdome the san francisco 49ers are coming into town Uh, i mean there's so many reasons why i love this game first off this is a defining moment for both teams right you know san francisco coming off uh, a loss at Baltimore, which is now, I think, the consensus best team in the NFL currently. And it's their second loss in four games after starting the season, you know, whatever, seven and uh, eight. No, the Saints, on the other hand, you know, were on a tear, right? And then they dropped that game at home against the Falcons. And since then, they played three straight divisional games and they've come out victorious in all three of them, two on the road. Now, there's just something I think that attracts. Me personally, you know, and I think everyone else to betting on the Saints at home. I think their home field edge is one of the few stadiums that still carries its three points because we know home field edge has been a disappearing factor in the NFL specifically this year. But I think in the Superdome, it still does carry its edge. I understand they played a close game against the Panther, but nonetheless, they still pulled out the game. That's what's most important. So on a short line here, you know, Saints are now currently minus 135. You just play the money line here. The Saints will win this game. Frankly, I don't think that Jimmy G is good enough to go in there and get this Niners team a win. And this pass rush is great, but what helps a great pass rush? You know, the Saints have a guy named Alvin Kamara. It's real easy for Drew Brees to just drop it off to Alvin Kamara. And and when he's not, they have a guy, his nickname is Can't Guard Mike. You know, I think the Niners are going to struggle with this Saints offense, I really do. Saints also coming in off of an extended break. They played the Thanksgiving game, obviously. So that was a Thursday night game. And Niners are coming off like a real hard-fought emotional game. Saints at home, you know, to play this game for the first, uh, for the number one seed in the NFC, uh, I'll take the veteran Drew Brees and, and Sean Payne all day here. Yeah, I like this play. I am going to uh, advance on my own caution and lay the two and a half for uh, a standard juice play with New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans also gets additional time to prepare, having played on. That's always huge, especially this time of year when everybody really is a injuries, bumped and bruised. I also like the under the game under the total. You got two really good defenses here. 
I think the San Francisco offense especially is going to struggle to put up points. Uh, I know that Baltimore, like you might think of them as a traditional defensive powerhouse, but the defense for Baltimore is the unit that's a little more exploitable for opponents this year. And the San Francisco defense, or I'm sorry, the San Francisco offense, I know the conditions weren't optimal in that game either, but they weren't really able to move the ball consistently enough in that game. This New Orleans defense, I think, is going to come out, and we saw them on Thanksgiving for the large majority of that game do really well against Matt Ryan, and then it got interesting at the end. I think you're going to see, anytime we have a game like that where you have three quarters look one way and one quarter look another way, I always love to come back and bet on the result of the first three quarters. And in that case, that is the Saints here. And that is also the under, because I think both of these defenses, you don't really need to say much about San Francisco's defense. It's a stellar unit. And New Orleans has a pretty good defense in and of itself, which I think will be pretty hungry after the way that game ended, getting pretty close against Atlanta. So I like the Saints and the under for a pair of plays in the National Football League Week 14. I want to stay in the early window. Um, and Greg, Greg, one more, one more thing. I, I just want to touch on 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 the Niners. Um, and we saw this when um, when they played that. Excuse me, when they played that that game against the Seahawks, they're vulnerable to letting up the run. I mean, look, they let up twenty, you know, for twenty five carries, eighty nine yards to Chris Carson. And I just really think that if the Saints can establish the run here, you know, with their two running backs, Kamara and Kamara Murray. Because because they have they have a great tandem right there. I think they can sure. establish the run there. And look, so so take their two losses and take the Ravens game where they played. Uh, Lamar Jackson went. Uh, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson's a special talent, but he had 100 yards and, and and Mark Ingram averaged four yards a carry too. So clearly, running the ball here against this Niners team is where you take their pass rush out of the game. Their most effective part of their defense is their pass rush, and that actually, you know. I don't know how good this secondary really is. I think their secondary is a product of their pass rush, and the ability to get to the quarterback and cause pressure makes this secondary's job a hell of a lot easier. And how do you negate a pass rush? You simply run the ball because there's no pass rush when you're running the ball. That's a, that's a it's a rushing rush, obviously. <laughs> so you know, I think that the Saints can use that tandem, and then obviously with a veteran coaching staff and quarterback, they can then take advantage with play actions at the right time to you know none other than arguably the best receiver in football today. I think he is play action pass on Michael Thomas. I mean, there is, his name is can't guard Mike for a reason. Let's move on. And I want to stay in the early window and I want to go back to the same city that the SEC championship game is going to be played in on Saturday afternoon. And that is Atlanta. Although I don't like the Falcons. I like the Carolina Panthers catching the field goal on the road in a divisional game, bit of a system play for me. Anytime I see a coach get fired in the middle of a season, I like to actually play on that team the following week because you think about Carolina the last two weeks. Nobody wants a piece of Carolina right now, right? Because they're just off of those losses to Washington and uh, the week before they lost as well. And that obviously resulted in Ron Rivera getting the ax. But normally when you see coaches fired in a season, I look at that as, as I said, I like to play on the teams. The following week, it was New Orleans. I had to look it up. The loss before Washington. And that was a competitive game. They lost by three. They nearly won that game outright as a double-digit dog did Carolina. So Yeah, it came down to a field goal. They missed a field goal at the end. Saints went down yeah. and hit a field goal. So I'm looking at Carolina here and, you know, catching three. I know that Atlanta's got the extra rest, but I think that this is going to be a pretty motivated Carolina team 
because normally a coaching firing does that, right? Like it's a signal to all the players, hey, nobody's safe here. And your futures with our organization are also on the line. Uh, I think that there's just a little more to get up for in this. I game mean, a revenge Carolina. spot too. They got they got blown out at home, twenty nine to three, a few weeks back to the Falcons. Right, I was getting to that as well. Yeah, a revenge spot, having gotten blown out, and yeah, you could say you get blown out by the Falcons, you lose to the Redskins. Maybe they're just a bad team, and that might be true. But I don't think Atlanta's a good team either. Not one that I want to lay points with. I've been burned by the Falcons a few times earlier this year. Not this time. I like the Panthers plus the field goal. Yeah, so I'm going to go to uh, a game in the afternoon slate, 4.05 Eastern time kickoff. Jacksonville Jaguars plus three. This just, you know, this really just makes me laugh. I see the Chargers every single game I watch them, and they, they, every, they play every game so close. Every single game is literally decided with zero, zero, zero left in the fourth quarter. It, it starts with a, a sub-two-minute drill, Phillip Rivers with the ball, needing to go about 85 yards, and he has one timeout. It's just, it's really been this way for like the past six weeks. It's kind of ridiculous. So I just don't see how I can't automatically grab the three here with Jacksonville. Obviously, Gardner Minshew back under under center for the Jags. I think that's going to ignite this team. And that's a real, that's a real freaking statement, Greg. You know, they just paid Nick Foles in the offseason. He hurts. He gets hurt in the first game of the season. Gardner Minshew comes in, clearly energizes the team, outperforms, you know, expectations and everything, and has this Jags team doing solid. And, you know, and then they stumble a little bit. Nick Foles comes back from injury, gets under center, and he's they've been getting blown out. They've been just getting absolutely blown out. He's been a turnover machine. And I just, you know, I think Minshew back at the helm is real consideration for where is this franchise going and i think that it's saying that nick Foles is not yeah it's like a re-motivator right yeah it, it really is it's like almost a rebuild you know we're moving on from nick Foles already halfway into the first season in his contract of i believe four years 80 million it was or something like that and i think Minshew just brings that energy that fire at home i think they are going to play for their young quarterback and so I, with the chargers tendency to play close games and philip rivers inability to possess the ball give me jacksonville plus three for a two-unit play upgrade yeah i like this one as well my book was actually at three and a half and i got in on jacksonville plus three and a half like i said i think that a quarterback change in a similar fashion to the head coaching change that i talked about with carolina i think it just lights a fire on the rest of the team to say hey you know we're evaluating and we might not be a playoff team but nobody's safe here and we're going to move forward and they obviously paid Nick Foles in free agency and they wanted him to be their guy. And, and that's not the case. And they're not will, they're not afraid to just move on and, and cut the, uh, cut the cord with Foles. So I do like Jacksonville here. Uh, you get the cross country travel as well for the chargers, albeit this is a four o'clock Eastern game. And like you said, like this line says it's going to be close and you know, you just don't want to trust the chargers in close games. We've seen enough of that. So I like the uh, the Jags as well, plus three and a half. Um, I have one more play, but it's going to be on the Monday night game, so I'm going to let you uh, just finish up with any other Sunday plays, Matt. Yeah, give me the Raiders plus three. I know this Tennessee – this is going to be an unpopular pick for damn sure. This Tennessee Titans team has been rolling. You know, some may go as far as saying is Ryan Tannehill is in the MVP discussion. I, I mean, I'm only kidding. He's he's not in the MVP discussion. He's been playing really off, well, though. But hats off to, like I said, Ryan Tannehill. 
starting the season, uh, getting traded for moving from the Dolphins, now on the Titans as a back, serving as a backup, and hats off for being ready to play when your number was called upon because that's exactly what you did. And you threw yourself into a job and Mr. Marcus Mariota out of a job. Titans have been steamrolling opponents. I mean, they're four and they're four and one in their last five, four and one to the cover on the spread. Their one game was a loss at Carolina. Ironically, that was, you know, the last time Carolina has won their game four weeks ago. And the Raiders come in off two abysmal losses. They lost on the road to the Jets 34 to three, and then on the road 40 to nine against the Chiefs. So failing to put up double digits in both of those games. And it's ironic because the Raiders came in to that road game against the Jets on a three-game winning streak, and Jay Gruden looked like he had things turned around, and they and they won four out of six games. Their two losses came on the road to Green Bay and on the road to Houston. Some would call those good losses to two playoff teams who are leading their division. So four and two in the last six before those two road games was impressive. And they just laid goose eggs in both of their road games. They will come home to the black hole, and they will be energized. And I just think this Tennessee Titans team, their offense is going to run out of steam at some point. And on the flip side, the Raiders' offense will get back to scoring. This is a buy low on the Raiders, a sell high on the Titans. It matches up perfectly between these two teams based on their past few weeks. Uh, yo, Give me the Raiders plus three at home. Yeah, I don't hate the play at all. I think it's a good opportunity to fade the Titans coming in, playing pretty well. Now they're going out west. Must-have game for Oakland in its playoff hopes. Uh, another kind of buy low. Oh, that too. Huge game in the in, for the wild card implications. For the wild card. You know, between yeah. these two. Between these two. Uh, right. Mike, I think, Greg, can I ask you, you know, since you brought up, would you say the loser of this is out of the playoffs? I would agree with that, yeah. And is the winner in? or um, Well... I think the winner just lives to see another week. It's really hard in this AFC playoff picture when you pretty much know Buffalo's got the top wild card. You know, it's hard to say, like, all right, well, if Oakland or Tennessee wins, they're in because, you know, you still have Pittsburgh, and it, it, it just feels like this is going to come down to the final week of the regular season. And Greg, uh, can, I, can I ask you, I might go as far as saying this game means a hell of a lot more to the Tennessee Titans when you look ahead. Oh, the Colts, the, Titans, the other team that's still alive, the, I meant to say. The Titans, yeah, the Titans, you know, after this game with the Raiders, they play the Texans twice and the Saints in their final three games. That's a pretty brutal three games, as opposed to the Raiders. They get the Jags at home, and then I understand they're on the road, but on the road against the Chargers and against Denver. So three teams with losing records, uh, the Raiders play the next three, and Three teams, well, I guess two teams, but three games with winning records that the Titans play. So uh, this game is a hell of a lot more important to the Titans. And if they lose this game, I'm going to agree with you that they are out of the playoffs because I, I don't know how well they can do playing the Texans twice and the Saints once in their final three. You know, one thing that I am looking at as well in this game, uh, the more I dig into it a little bit more, I, I lean with Oakland plus the three. But if I had to play this game, and I may actually add this to my plays, um, I haven't fully decided yet, but... I'd look at under 47 and a half because if we're thinking that Ryan Tannehill maybe regresses a little bit, we know that Derrick Henry has been one of the best backs in the National Football League. And Oakland drafted Josh Jacobs to play through him, and he was the only guy on the Raiders that really showed anything last week in Arrowhead. So I think that you get both teams wanting to run the ball, long drives, 47 and a half, a little bit of a high total. I would go under if I had to play it. Uh, I know you wanted to get to Sunday Night Football, though. You have a nice play there. You like a side. Go ahead. Yeah. 
this is another unpopular pick. By the way, these unpopular picks seem to be a trend this week for me, but I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams at home. Uh, it's a pick em, Craig, and I'm making this max play. And as enthusiastic as I sound about it, that's because, uh, you know, it's it's a tough play to swallow. Betting against this Russell Wilson Seahawks team who, in you know, has in, in prime time, I understand the, the prime, I understand the prime time trends, but you know he's on the road here. I guess what you can call a slight road game, but I just I just don't know if the Rams are done yet, and if they're not done yet, I know they win this game because if they want any chance at saving their playoff hopes, they have to win this game, and they do have chance at the playoff. I mean, they're one game back of the Vikings, you know, for that second wild card spot. And because realistically, you know, with the Niners and Seahawks sitting at 10 and 2, obviously, you know, if the Seahawks were to drop this game, they move to 10 and 3. But realistically, the Rams are gunning for that last spot and hoping, hoping the Vikings stumble. I saw a lot enough out of Jared Goff last week to see that this Rams team has life. That blowout win is something that we could be talking about in, in, in two months from now. I'm not saying. It will be, but it could. That is the kind of win. You go on the road to a division rival, damn near flawless game, 75% completion rate, 424 yards, two touchdowns. Todd Gurley, 19 carries, 95 yards, and a tutty. So average five yards there. You know, their whole team, they were clicking on all cylinders. They had a defensive touchdown, and maybe even two, I believe. Turnovers. Uh, they, they, they turned them over, you know, two or three times, like I said. And that's just the kind of big-time win that can put a team together and understand what they have potential to do in front of them. You know, now their schedule is slightly tough, but it's one game at a time, and if they can take care of business the Seahawks at home, then they're playing a Dallas Cowboys team that has been struggling. You know, I, I understand it's on the road, but to, to say the Dallas Cowboys is a hard game right now would probably be wrong. You know, they're, they're probably not too upset about facing the Dallas Cowboys right yeah. now. And then they get this Cardinals team at home that they just blown out. And then they, you know, they have a huge game at the Niners. So this is the kind of point in the season where we see a potential team, you know, maybe not the Rams, maybe someone a little bit closer, but string together a few wins end the season, uh, you know, coming into the playoffs on a four-game winning streak, and we see what happens. Because in the NFL, all you got to do is you got to get there. You, you just got to get in. We've seen this happen before with hot wildcard teams. And, and in the recent years, though, it's only been, you know, a team that has had a bye week is, is win the Super Bowl, you know, dating back to when the Giants w- went on that run and beat the Patriots in the wildcard. But I just think this Rams team is so talented and has been underachieving all year there's just something I can't cut ties with them yet. It was just like the Browns, and then the Browns lost to the Steelers, and then they were done. I cut ties with them. The Browns are done. This is the game that the Rams either can make or break. If they lose this game, they're done. They're out of the playoffs. They got to reevaluate everything. They win this game, and they survive another week. So I have faith that they pull this out. Not to mention, uh, you know, the Seahawks, they've been skating by. You can say that it's because they're great or whatnot. I'm going to be one of maybe the minority and say that they've been skating by. And this 3.6 margin of victory that they've had in their 10 wins, by the way, I saw it was a stat, is the the lowest of a 10-win team after 12 weeks in NFL history. 
So that means out of any team that was started 10 and 2, so the lowest margin of victory, you know, they don't blow out teams. And frankly, their passing defense is not that great. We've seen teams put up points on the Seahawks team. We just, why do the Seahawks win? Because somehow, some way, at the end of the game, Russell Wilson finds the ball in his hands and is able to make plays, plays after plays after plays, and set his team up to win. You know, if the, if the Los Angeles Rams can get out to an early lead, you know, get their boys going, get their passing attack going, use Todd Gurley and play the clock and time of possession and everything, they can set up the game so that it's not coming down to the end with Russell Wilson having a chance to win the game. It can be over by the fourth quarter when Russell Wilson decides to show up with his magician cape. And don't forget, Greg, I, you know, I'm going on and on about this game, but don't forget that when this game was in Seattle, you know, in week six or seven, whenever they played, this was just a one-point game. And this was a one-point game, which if you look at the box score, and I told you it was a one-point game, I really don't think you would have thought so because, frankly, Russell Wilson had his best game of the season, maybe. He had 270 yards and four touchdowns, right? Chris Carson had 27 carries and 120 yards. Jared Goff he had a 59% completion rate and threw a pick. Todd Gurley, non-existent, only had touched the ball 15 times. I expect to see Todd Gurley getting the ball 20-plus times in this game. I think it's going to be a little different. And, oh, yeah, the Rams only lost that game by one point, and it came down to the end. We had that amazing catch by Tyler Lockett. You know, everything seems to bounce the Seahawks' way so far through 12 games. And sooner or later, it will not bounce away. And I think the the Rams, you know, go on, and I think they do get the best, better end of the Seahawks here. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot there. The big thing that I will take from what you said is that the Rams, I don't know that they're done either, and they showed me that I lost on the Cardinals last week, um, and I'll live with that. I thought that that was going to be a uh, you know a spot where the Rams were off a Monday night game, Cardinals were out of a bye, and the Rams had just gotten their rear ends kicked. I thought it was going to be a little bit of a gut check for the Rams, and I guess it was, and they answered with flying colors, blowing out the Arizona Cardinals on the road. So I do think that there's still some fight and that they are at least going to compete till the bitter end, even though that they probably will end up missing the playoffs. I need one more loss to get under 10 and a half wins. I think yeah, I'll you'll get, get that. that. You'll, I think um, you'll get that too. Somewhere along the way, I think they'll stumble. But, you but know. I ultimately pass this game, but I don't hate your angle of taking the Rams uh, on the uh, pick them. I almost said on the money line, then realized it's the same thing. Lastly, for me, uh, you know, I, I just can't hesitate uh, to play the under and probably the team total for the Giants under as well in Monday Night Football. Eli Manning is going to play. And, I mean, do the Giants even want to win this game? Like, they have a chance now to get the number one pick in the draft. The Redskins are ahead of them. You know, the Bengals just won against the Jets last week, and the Bengals still play the Browns twice and the Dolphins. So, you know, you got a lame duck coach here and Pat Shermer. I just don't see anything that makes me think the Giants want to play this football game other than maybe, you know, it's, it is a divisional game and it is the Eagles. I If the Eagles had just beaten the Dolphins, I would be inclined to lay it. But I, at the same time, I'm highly skeptical of where the Eagles are at right now. So nine and a half is just way too high for me to feel comfortable laying it. 
Uh, I am going to play the game under, and I'll probably take the Giants team total under as well. Matt, anything Monday Night Football? Yeah, I actually I have one more Sunday play that I forgot. Oh, I took sure. over 45, two units on this Jets and Dolphins game. So the Dolphins, four out of their last five games have gone over, and obviously their defense is pretty pathetic, right? You know, the one game they somehow held the Colts, the Colts were banged up all over the place, and, and that game finished with only 28 points. You know, we saw this game go on five weeks ago, and the final score was 26-18. to 18. Miami won that game, and that game went over the total 42-and-a-half. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown this great connection with Devontae Parker. Jamal Adams out for the Jets. I expect Devontae Parker to have a great day. Dale hey, while we're at it, let's give a shout-out to our South Jersey boy, Mike Gesicki. He's starting to get involved there with the Dolphins. Exactly. You know, and, 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 and you know, like I was saying, Devontae Parker, Daily Fantasy – players you know check him out he might be a plug and play for for you guys but and on the flip side this Jets team comes in you know scored only six points last game after scoring 30 plus the previous three uh, they do have weapons on offense to exploit this Jets defense at home they're gonna want some revenge they lost to the Dolphins last time I can easily see both teams scoring uh I, I can easily see a 21-21 tie and then uh, you know obviously we are going over there, but I can see one of these teams putting up 30 potentially and, and a defense just absolutely being non-existent in this game. One last spot that I want to get to is uh, I'm actually going to take the Cincinnati Bengals. I got them plus eight and a half, tweeted it out earlier in the week. Uh, it's now at seven and a half. This to me is, is a little bit of a motivational mismatch. The Bengals come in off a win. Uh, Zach Taylor, the coach, probably needs at least one more win to secure himself a job with the Bengals in 2020. The Browns, you just mentioned it a few minutes ago, they're done. And it's not a team I want to lay over a touchdown with at that point. So, divisional game, uh, and I think that Cincinnati goes to Cleveland and gives them all they can handle. I'm not sure that they win, but I'm definitely going to take the 7.5, 8.5 that I got. I would play this before it got to 7 because it seems like uh, there is some money coming in on Cincinnati. This opened around, I think, 9 and is down to 7.5, so... Uh, I, I like the Bengals catching over a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I don't hate it, Greg. I don't hate it. Well, there we go. That's going to wrap things up for us on a Friday. Well, Thursday night we record. Friday morning you listen. Matt, always a pleasure. Let's enjoy one of the best weekends in college football and, of course, another weekend in the National Football League. Can't wait, Greg. Best of luck to everyone out there. Everybody, enjoy the wagering. Enjoy the football games. And please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.